Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. The most valuable commodity I know of is information. Wouldn't you agree? Wouldn't you agree? I got $5. This is a run to the left. You're saying that humans need fantasy to make life bearable. Humans need fantasy to be human. My goodness, that was good. You guys are pros. The best. Relentless, refusing to give up. All right, hit that horn, babe. Let's dance. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Fantasy Flex Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Raybon, and today, Samantha Praviti joining me, and we're going to be talking all about wide receivers, who's overvalued, who's undervalued in early fantasy drafts. We'll, of course, start with some news updates as well to get you caught up on anything you might have missed since last week. Samantha, what's going on? Not much, dude. How did that March Madness bracket end up for you? Uh, it actually wasn't too bad. You know, I did have Kansas. Uh, a lot of other things didn't go my way along the way, but uh, it helps to have the right national champion. How about you? Yeah, I think I just had Villanova and a lot of other mistakes, too. I kind of went like the Homer way and I, I had uh, Providence going to the final four, not winning <laughs> it, but going to the final four. So that didn't work out. Yeah. Shout out to all of our uh, Rhode Island listeners. <laughs> shout yeah. out to your parents who I know are going to pay you a visit very soon. Yes, yes, yes. All right, let's uh let's get right into some news uh, and then we'll talk about wide receivers who are undervalued and overvalued uh by early April ADP, but I want to start off with uh, three quick news items. The first being Debo Samuel essentially deleted all of the 49ers references, pictures, anything that showed him kind of affiliated to the team on his Instagram account. Now, being that it's April, we don't really have much to talk about NFL-wise. Uh, everyone's going crazy over this, especially if you're a 49er fan. Uh, what do you make uh, of this development, Samantha? Yeah, he even unfollowed the 49ers official IG account. So mm. it's getting serious. Uh, it does just feel like this is a sort of bargaining thing or something that they do during negotiations. He is entering that final year of his rookie deal. So um, we'll see how it pans out. I mean, um, I don't know that there are a ton of really good realistic landing spots for him, but um, the 49ers don't have, you know, the, the highest octane offense. So um, there are places that I would love to see him. I'd love to see him like Green Bay or something, but that's not going to happen. Yeah. I mean, from what I'm hearing, if any team was to be make a push for him, it would be the Jets because they 
kind of lost out on the other high end guys that they were targeting, you know, Tyreek Hill, especially. So uh, DK Metcalf, uh, it doesn't look like he's going to move. So the Jets have the assets and the willingness to make one of these deals. And I mean, it would be fitting, you know, the AFC arms race continues with another high, you know, premium NFC player going over. But I agree with you. I think it's a negotiation tactic. I think this is what you do in 2022, right? It's like we saw Kyler do it. It's it can't hurt. You know, you're trying to maximize leverage. Debo's playing his base salary this year, just under four million dollars. Um, so he is deserving of a raise. And it, the interesting thing is, and, and I, I'm curious to see your opinion on this. Do you think it's, it's something where the 49ers probably would like to get a deal done? And maybe they're just kind of, their hands are tied because of Jimmy G because, because obviously that's over $25 million that comes off the books. Um, do you think that kind of plays into it? And, and that Debo's maybe not too happy that this is, they're kind of dragging their feet on this. Yeah, I mean, it definitely could play into it. It also could be that they just want to pay him like RB1 numbers, not wide receiver <laughs> numbers, especially after all those contracts. Like everyone's just like shelling out money here and there. You know, shout out to Stefan Diggs for getting paid. So uh, it could be like, yeah, just a sort of they're stalled in negotiations. And, uh, you know, we'll see how that all plays out. Does this affect uh, where you draft him in, you know, early best ball drafts and things like that? He's currently going as, you know, inside the top eight at wide receiver, wide receiver six, I believe, uh, when I looked earlier this morning. Um, any any thoughts on his draft capital right now? At this point, I don't, I don't, I don't think that it's worth kind of changing where he is mentally in the rankings. Um, you know, if this kind of starts to go on for a while, maybe we can start thinking about those potential landing spots if it really seems like that relationship becomes fractured. Yeah. And I think, I mean, yeah, I was getting ready to say, Hey, maybe Brandon Ayuk a little bit overvalued, you know, going just inside the top 36, but, you know, maybe this is enough for at least, you know, you kind of keep him in that, in that range, uh, you know, because he could benefit in a major way, obviously if the 49ers uh, hand is forced and, and Debo does end up uh, moving on. Well, Shanahan hates Ayuk and uh, <laughs> Sherman and all of fantasy football. Okay. So I don't want to get my hopes up for Ayuk again. <laughs> I mean, but he, he's got something, we, you know, he, he does have the, uh, you know, the kind of red flag. He's got a unique name, at least his last name. So, <laughs> but I don't know, Jawan Jennings, that's Jawan with the J-A-U-A-N spelling. That's also pretty weird. So I don't know if he's, he's going to do it either. But, uh, uh, yeah, I, I love that uh, theory that we have going. We're going to keep that going all season. Uh, moving on, Rob Gronkowski, uh, reportedly not sure that he will suit up and play in 2022, even though Tom Brady has returned, he already has made it known that he doesn't really want to play without Brady. Um, but even though Brady has come back, Gronk said he's not ready to commit to a season. You know, how do we kind of, who does this impact, I guess, or how do we kind of navigate this at this point? How serious are we taking him, uh, you know, in, in terms of his status for this upcoming year? Yeah, I mean, I, I have no real read of the situation, but I'm going to assume that he plays at this point. I mean, I know he's certainly on the wrong side of 30 and has dealt with a lot of injuries throughout his career. It's a it's a demanding sport and and whatnot. But, uh, you know, if he if he if this ends up being a serious thing, those are a lot of targets and a lot of touchdowns to go around. So that could certainly benefit guys like Mike Evans or Russell Gage or Chris Godwin whenever he comes back. Yeah, I think Russell Gage is really, and, and we'll talk about him, but I think he he could be a big winner here and, and Evans as well. But um, if you're drafting an early best ball, uh, I would say monitor the news because right now he's going as a tight end 23. So he's essentially free. I mean, you could kind of add him as like your third tight end. Um, and if the news breaks, you know, I think his ADP may be quick to rise. He won't be in that initial player pool. You'll have to scroll down a little bit. So um, it is a situation to kind of monitor 
uh, if you're best ball drafting uh, around this time of year. Uh, speaking of drafting, the Ravens reportedly could pick up a running back on day three or even day two of this upcoming draft. You and I, we both kind of talked about how we're a little weary of this whole J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards backfield as is, especially Dobbins going uh, as high as he's going. And this would seem to add more fuel to the fire that maybe we should pump the brakes on on this Ravens backfield, which seems destined to be uh, a committee. Yeah, that certainly muddies the water Uh, in Dobbins rookie year. He was certainly in that three man committee with Mark Ingram and Gus Edwards, and that impacted his production. And, you know, that's a three man committee. But you have to remember that Lamar Jackson is their also top running back. He's going to take a lot of those goal line carries and um, eventually touchdowns there. So uh, yeah, that certainly makes things a little hairier. Like we always think of the the Ravens as this running team, which they are, but it, that's a lot of mouths to feed if you take into account Lamar Jackson's kind of role. Yeah. And, you know, half the battle, especially with running backs, because, you know, when you're projecting running backs, I mean, everyone's kind of between four yards of carry and four and a half yards of carry or something, you know, not too many guys are outside of that range. It's really about getting the carries right, uh, which is then about how does the organization feel about these players? And one thing you notice about Baltimore is that they're saying, Hey, we're going to make some changes after everyone got hurt last year. And it's not just at the running back position, but also, you know, all the cornerbacks went down and, you know, we're going to try to change practices up in our, in our everything we do to better prepare for the on this onslaught of injuries. And I think naturally one of those things is making sure not to overwork any of these running backs, especially both, um, Edwards and Dobbins coming off major injuries. So the writing's kind of on the wall and just the rumor itself, like even if they don't end up picking a, a, a running back, because I think, you know, that's always, you know, depending on who falls to you and whatnot. I, I just think the fact that we're hearing this and, and all these other things uh, would make me weary about Dobbins really pulling away and having like that massive, you know, 18 to 20 touch role that we really want to be drafting him as a top 20 back. Yeah, absolutely agree. It it makes me even more scared of him and his very lofty ADP. Yeah. All right, let's uh let's jump right into wide receivers here and we'll start with a, a bunch of players that we think are undervalued at the wide receiver position. Uh we're using uh underdogs ADP, uh which is where um a lot of people are drafting best ball teams at this time of year, so I uh, figured it's probably the most relevant. There's obviously a lot of different places and the ADP will vary, but I think it's just a good way to kind of uh, getting somewhat of a gauge on, on what's going on this time of year and what the market is thinking. So uh, start us off with uh, who do you, who do you have is undervalued here at wide receiver? Yeah, there are definitely a lot of guys that I have here. So uh, the first one that I'm going to talk about is Michael Pittman. This one really makes no sense to me. So he is currently wide receiver 27 on underdog. Uh, He finished as the wide receiver 21 and half PPR last year. He's got a major upgrade at quarterback. Wentz was, (laughs) I think, bottom three in clean pocket efficiency and like pretty much bottom of everything in in a lot of categories. And uh, Matt Ryan certainly, I think, offers a lot more upside for this offense. Uh, Pittman also had double digit fantasy points in 10 of 17 games which I think is awesome. So, I mean, to me, at wide receiver 27, I think he has definitely the, like, he has the upside to become a top 12 receiver. And I think that, you know, I feel comfortable drafting him in that, like, wide receiver 20, maybe even a little higher range. Yeah, I love Michael Pittman. I think he's just a great football player. I mean, if you watched him even in school, um, he's, he's kind of like the, the perfect encapsulation of a good football player because he was not only making plays at receiver, 
uh, but on special teams, like he was a great special teamer, obviously doesn't have to do that anymore, but um, you know, football runs in a family for him. Of course, his, his father played with the bucks. So I, I really like him. I think that Matt Ryan, if we've seen anything, like you mentioned, he can feed his number one receiver. We saw it with Julio. We saw it with Ridley when Julio uh, was out these last couple of years. So um, yeah, I think Pittman could finally be in for a, a bigger target share. We know he's the unquestioned alpha dog on that offense and uh, probably will be at least this year, no matter what happens in the draft. Uh, I think, you know, um, you know, maybe you upgrade at tight end, maybe you upgrade at, at the other wide receiver spot, but regardless, I think Pittman's set to be a target hog and kind of like one of those outside has an outside chance to weed the league in targets, like kind of like Allen Robinson a couple of years ago. And I always like those guys where it's like, you're just a, a, a alpha dog on a mediocre team. Um, you never know how the game scripts are going to break. So, um, you know, if the, the Colts become more pass heavy than they were last year, um, you could see, you could see a huge season out of Pittman. So I like that a lot. Uh, for me, I'm going to go with uh, Mike Evans. You know, Mike Evans is down a wide receiver 19 and I think that's ludicrous. First of all, considering that Mike Evans, even with Godwin and Gronk in the lineup, Mike Evans was a top 10 fantasy wide receiver last year. And now you're looking at Godwin missing the start of the year, potentially. You're looking at Gronk missing, you know, or not coming back, potentially. Russell Gage obviously benefits as well, but Tom Brady's back. Mike Evans is the clear alpha dog. And you talk about a dude that has the potential to lead the league in targets. I mean, Mike Evans is right there at the top of the list among, you know, top 10 fantasy receivers last year, Mike Evans had the fewest catches 74. So he has a lot of room to grow. Um, and I, I think that uh, wide receiver 19 is probably, it's like, it's essentially like 12 or, or, or 10 to 12 spots too low for Evans. I think he should be closer to that top tier than it is like a mid middling wide receiver too, that he's, been going at in, in these early underdog drafts so love me some Mike Evans in 2022 I definitely agree and that I'm I was gonna go in order here but you know what this is a good segue into my Russell Gage love he is a guy that I feel like I pump up every year because he's just like I just think a guy that is generally underrated so he is going at wide receiver 67 so you can get him for free uh it, Here's the thing is that the median recovery time for a torn ACL among NFL players is 11.6 months. So just shy of 12 months. Um, shout out to Chris Towers of CBS who was talking about that today. But Godwin tore his ACL on December 19th of last year. So there's a good chance we're looking at him missing half the season. I mean, that's really, really significant, especially when you consider how high he's going in drafts. Um, that could mean that Gage is the wide receiver two in this offense for half the season. And uh, if more targets are vacated by Gronk, great. Uh, but yeah, Gage was the wide receiver 48 last year and weeks 11 through 18. So kind of like that second half of the year, he was wide receiver 12 and half PPR. So I think he'll be a really good wide receiver two behind Evans, at least to start the season. Yeah. And it's a great spot for him because he doesn't have to go and beat like press coverage necessarily. He can line up inside, you know, he, you know, he, Evans can handle the, the best cornerback on the other team, the most physical guy and, and Gage can kind of just get open. I think that's what was kind of missing uh, with Ridley out for the Falcons is that Gage had to be that number one guy. So I, he would have these like really bad games every once in a while, but with a lot of good ones mixed in when he could play, you know, just kind of run around and get open out there. Um, and I think he's going to be able to do that. And Tom Brady's going to be able to find them. Um, so uh, love Russell Gage. Uh, I'll, I'll talk about another guy in that same division. 
Michael Thomas, wide receiver 26. Okay. Like I know the Saints turned into a little bit of a low volume, a lot of bit of a low volume pass offense last year, but part of that was due to Michael Thomas being out for the entire year. Like it wasn't just that they lost Drew Brees. Um, you know, it was that they had no Michael Thomas and we've seen Michael Thomas be productive, not just with Breeze, but with a guy like Taysom Hill at quarterback. So um, I, I think Jameis Winston is still a step up. Andy Dalton, if he has to step in, he can get the ball to a guy like Thomas as well. So I wouldn't really worry about um, the volume here. He's the queer alpha dog in terms of the, the receiving core in New Orleans. You know, obviously Alvin Kamara uh, is going to get his as well. But um, I, I think, you know, Michael Thomas for his talent, uh, for it. He's going to come back healthy to a team where he's the clear, clear alpha dog. Another guy with an outside shot at weeding the weekend targets going at wide receiver 26. It's like we all last year, everyone was too high on him. And now it's like now we all forgot about him. I think it's, I think it's just crazy. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely easy to forget about him uh, if you take into account how how long it's been since we saw him. That is a little risky, but I think it, you know, at that point, uh, it's a definitely risk reward type thing, especially if you're if you're drafting in best ball. So I could definitely see him being really good value. Uh, I think this kind of all depends on what offense we're going to end up seeing from the Saints, because, yeah, to your point, like it was super low volume, but they're going to have people that are other than Marquez Calloway and Lil Jordan Humphrey to throw to. So. Um, I want to see that Saints offense for sure. Um, all right. The next guy that I'm going to talk about is Brandon Cooks at wide receiver 33. This guy is habitually disrespected, in my opinion, for fantasy purposes. In his eight-year career, he has only finished outside of the top 24 once, and that was in 2019. His last two seasons, he was wide receiver 15 and wide receiver 16 um, with a troubled cast of sort of quarterbacks. <laughs> troubled. Um, <laughs> troubled, yes. Um, and, and a troubled one that didn't even didn't even play the last right <laughs> right uh sure so uh yeah i mean cooks had nine uh games last season with 12 plus fantasy points in half ppr out of 16 games played he also had 400 yard uh games so i mean i think that at wide receiver 33 this this sounds pretty ludicrous to me yeah and yeah, i mean i hate to keep beating the, the same horse but another guy with an outside shot at weeding the league in targets all right, let's uh, go to Adam Thielen because Adam Thielen is uh, another one who, and this is not a guy that's going to get a ton of targets at this point in his career. I think he's going to be the number two, obviously, um, behind Justin Jefferson. So it's not the same kind of player. But Adam Thielen, ever you know, the last two years, it's been a lot of touchdowns. And so I think people, you know, it is sharp to kind of knock him down a little bit. He's getting older. Um, but even in a bad year or bad year, you know, compared to his other um, kind of stellar campaigns these last few, uh, he still averaged you know, over five catches per game, his most since uh, 2018. And, uh, you know, his yardage still above 50 yards per game. So I think you're getting him like right at that wide receiver, three, four borderline, a guy that scored 24 touchdowns in his last 28 games. Um, they're running it back with Kirk Cousins for one more year. He has Justin Jefferson to take coverage away from him. Um, so I don't think you're getting anything crazy here, but I wouldn't be surprised if Adam Thielen finishes his closer to a wide receiver two, uh, and you can get him wide receiver three and even lower than that. Um, because he's a wide receiver 36 and ADP, sometimes he falls to like, you know, wide receiver 40, wide receiver 45. So I, I think Adam Thielen's a, a massive bargain here. Uh, I think he's got a couple of good seasons left in him. He'll be 32 this year. Uh, wide receivers tend to decline a little more gracefully, uh, especially a guy like Thielen who's not overly, like doesn't rely on his like body. Um, he's 6'2 and, and, and 200 pounds. So he's not like this 
Um, you know, I think the bigger receivers like the Andre Johnsons, they tend to have a more abrupt kind of fall from grace. Whereas Adam Thielen, I, I think it'll be a little bit more graceful. Um, so I love him at wide receiver 36. Yeah, that definitely feels like pretty good value. I mean, like two spots below him is Kadarius Tony, and that that's the range that we're looking at. I know I'm going to talk about him later, but um, all right. The next guy that I'm going to talk about is Juju Smith-Schuster, uh, wide receiver 46 right now. Obviously coming off of an awful year marred with injuries and just like the Steelers having one of the worst offenses, but this is a massive upgrade at quarterback. We just talked about Wentz to Matt Ryan. I mean, this is huge, obviously. Um, the big question is like, can he be the quote unquote wide receiver one? I don't think we're going to plug and play and get Tyreek Hill numbers out of him uh, at this point in his career. But he, you know, he's one year removed from finishing as wide receiver 18 with a sketchy QB situation. And he had 1400 yards in 2018. I know that's kind of a while back, but um, certainly there's going to be a ton of targets to go around with Tyreek Hill gone. He had 159 targets last year. So I feel like the volume is going to be there. The upside is going to be there. So at wide receiver 46, that just feels like way, way, way too low. Yeah, it was totally different when Tyreek Hill was still a part of this team. Then it was like, okay, maybe Juju's going to be a little bit overdrafted, you know, just because of the team. Well, we saw what happened with Watkins. But now there's a good chance Juju's the number one receiver. Um, obviously, they'll probably look to add somebody in the draft. But the way I look at it, I think that 1,400-yard season that you mentioned is key because – he wasn't really the number one option that year, you know, and that the same thing is going to be true in Kansas city. Travis Kelsey is the number one option. So Travis Kelsey still dictates what the defense does, draws the most defensive attention. That's where we've seen Juju flourish the most. So I, I think that there's a lot of upside here and it's essentially free money at, at wide receiver 46. Um, I would, I would expect him to close inside the top 36, um, by the time, you know, August rolls around, if not higher. So, yeah, I, I'm taking Juju anywhere I can get him uh, at this point in the year. Uh, all right. Next, uh, let's go Robert Woods, wide receiver 39. Uh, another one who I thought that he may end up being a little overvalued, um, you know, because he's had, you know, all these great seasons with the Rams. And I thought, you know, may, I would probably be fading him because he'd be drafted as like, you know, the wide receiver 30 or 28 or something like that. But he's down at 39. Um, in Tennessee. And there's an outside chance that just like we, we talked about Debo earlier, you know, we don't know exactly what's going to happen with him. There's an outside chance that, you know, a, they can't, you know, AJ Brown is not around or they move him in a surprise deal. But even if Brown is there, I just think Woods is a, is a good value. You know, this is a guy who has been, you know, a wide receiver too in fantasy or better pretty much every season in terms of per game average since he, you know, over the last five, since he joined the Rams. And I think he's going to be used in a, in a very similar way here. Obviously the volume goes down, but uh, especially with the way AJ Brown has been struggling injury wise, uh, I think that you can do a lot worse than Robert Woods here because um, it, it's obvious that the Titans are like looking for a big one to punch at receiver. I mean, they went out and signed Julio Jones last year. He just couldn't stay healthy. Um, but I think if you have Woods here, um, you're going to see a little bit more pass volume um, from Tennessee. I, they, I think they're also probably at the point where they're like, OK, we can't completely run Derrick Henry into the ground. He finally got hurt. So um, getting him outside the top 36, another guy that I'll take the I'll take the gamble. And I think he's a really high floor kind of play. And you don't have to spend a ton of him at, at wide receiver 39. 
Yeah, I totally agree. It, I mean, he definitely takes a downgrade going to the Titans yeah. and having to compete with AJ Brown. Obviously, that would be cool if uh, for his value, if AJ Brown ends up moving. But um, yeah, at that at that value, it seems really great. Um, all right, the final guy that I want to talk about is Michael Gallup, a wide receiver, fifty seven right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, poised to take on a larger role. Uh, with, you know, 100 or so targets vacated by Amari Cooper leaving. Um, Gallup missed seven games last year. Um, towards the beginning of the season, he suffered an injury right in week one, which was devastating. Um, he was definitely a sleeper of mine last year. And of course, he goes down in week one. But weeks 10 through 17, he was the wide receiver 28, um, competing four targets with a lot of people on that offense. Um, was the wide receiver 38 in uh, 2020 and wide receiver 22 in 2019. He had 1,100 receiving yards back then. So um, I just think he's he's a guy that you can get for really cheap and offers a lot of upside being on that offense. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I, we, we kind of talk about this, you know, it's like, how do you want to kind of treat these injuries? Because, you know, the difference between Gallup and a guy like Godwin is that Godwin's going at like wide receiver 25. Gallup, um, you know, had his injury around the same time, but his ACL injury, but he's, he's going at wide receiver 57. Um, so, you know, it's still a gamble, but it's essentially, it's like a free play. You could be the last wide receiver on your bench. And I think that's a lot better way to kind of take a risk on a guy coming off an injury um, than with, with a guy like Chris Godwin, who we just aren't sure exactly what's, what, what it's going to be. And we're drafting him as a surefire starter. Uh, all right, a couple more guys, and, and then we'll go to guys who are overvalued. Uh, one, Christian Kirk, you know, I, I like his move to Jacksonville. I think he has a chance to be the number one guy there. At worst, he'll be the two, but he can move inside, outside. He can, he, he was one of the better receivers against man coverage last year, which I, I think, you know, says a lot because that's where Marvin Jones kind of struggled. And, um, you know, I, I think it's a, just a a spot where Kurt could be like on any given week, the number one receiver. And I don't think he'll ever be outside the top two in in, uh, very often on a given week in Jacksonville and targets. I think Trevor Lawrence also can take a massive step forward. We know his talent level and we know he was just in the worst situation possible. So getting Kirk as the wide receiver 48, uh, I think he should be closer to, you know, the mid thirties as well. So he's a guy like, and then Devontae Parker, um, he's going at wide receiver 69 and, you know, the Patriots made a move for him. And I think it's, it's intriguing because he's another guy you can get for free. Um, and the Patriots have kind of been looking for, for somebody to p- put on the outside for a while. I think Jacoby Myers is still um, going to be strong inside, but um, you know, as far as like guys like Aguilar and Demir bird, they had like, those guys aren't volume guys. So now they have a guy in Devontae Parker who has, gotten number one volume for number one wide receiver volume and produce. We, we saw that big year at Miami with Ryan Fitzpatrick and Matt Jones, another guy who could take a massive step forward. The offense could get more passive. That's what tends to happen. Um, you know, just look at like Joe Burrow. So I think there's some upside with Devonte Parker to at least take a flyer um, at, at wide receiver 69. Nice. Uh, yeah, no, I love that <laughs> Christian Kirk uh, pick there. Uh, love that he had that year four breakout. I mean, obviously there's a pretty significant downgrade in going from the Cardinals offense to the Jaguars offense, but I think we have to put, you know, the Jaguars whole thing into perspective from last year. There were a lot of outside extracurricular distractions and just maybe urban Meyer not being cut out for the NFL. So 
Um, I think that I would, I think that we will see a little bit um, of a better and more improved offense. Um, Trevor Lawrence entering his second year. So um, yeah, I mean, especially if you're getting him as low as wide receiver 48, that totally makes sense to me. All right, let's flip over and talk about some guys who are overvalued uh, in these early drafts. Yeah, um, I want to kick it off with Jalen Waddell at wide receiver 10. So obviously this guy's insanely talented. He, fantasy Twitter loves him. And I was super excited about him this offseason. I just think, you know, we, we have to put this into perspective uh, with Tyreek Hill coming in and Tua maybe being limited. I mean, uh, the Dolphins uh, wide receivers last year had uh, 328 targets to go around. Um, Tyreek Hill had 160 targets last year. Like he's going to eat up a really significant percent share of that. So I'm not saying that I think like Jalen Waddle is going to disappear off the face of the earth, but I also think it's unrealistic to think that Tua is going to support two top 10 receivers at this point. So yeah, wide receiver 10 just feels a little too rich for my blood. I think he, he feels like a mid range wide receiver too. Yeah. He's got to be dropping fast. You know, obviously some people, um, you know, the ADP is, you know, I guess a little slow to adjust after the move. Uh, but I, you know, I kind of see Waddle is like, he's, you look at his numbers last year, 104 catches, a uh, thousand yards, six touchdowns. He kind of reminds me of another, just the numbers, not the player, but the numbers remind me of another Dolphins receiver who was there for a long time in Jarvis Landry. And, you know, I think that's kind of his ceiling at this point with Tyreek Hill in the lineup because that 9.8 yards per catch, uh, I just don't know if that changes much now with a, a more legitimate deep threat in Tyreek Hill and even in the intermediate area. So I think Waddle, he could still eat up, you know, five, six catches a game. Um, but I think it's not going to be quite as uh, reliable as even it was in his rookie year, just because like you mentioned, Tyreek Hill is uh, an alpha dog and they paid, you know, top dollar to get him. So, you know, if, if Waddle was coming off a 60 catch rookie year, I'd say, okay, this is great for him because even though Tyreek's going to take a lot of targets, uh, Tyreek's going to open things up for Waddle to maybe get to that hundred catch mark. But now we're essentially drafting him based off what he did his rookie year and expecting a, a, an increase which usually is a sharp move. Wide receivers, the year two breakout is real these days. Uh, a lot of guys are doing it in year two instead of year three or year four. But in this case, I just think you're paying too much at, at wide receiver time. I mean, Jalen Waddle's going nine spots ahead of Mike Evans. That's that's just yeah, absurd that's at this point. Uh, all right. Uh, I You know, Waddle was the first guy on my list as well. Um, we kind of talked about Godwin. Um, Calvin Ridley, I don't know what he's doing at wide receiver 18. So that's don't draft Calvin Ridley. He's not going to play. So uh, I'll go to the next guy on my list is Hunter Renfro. Kind of a similar situation. It's like Renfro had what I think is probably going to be his ceiling year last year. And um, a lot of it came, you know, Darren Waller missed six games. And that is going to, uh, I think, Waller's coming back mixed with Devontae Adams. Those are two alpha players legitimately the guys that could lead their positions and targets um, their respective positions. So Renfro is going to be open. Yes. There's, he's going to still be the third guy that defenses kind of pay attention to, but you know, wide receiver 31, I, I just would like to get somebody with that true wide receiver and, and number one option kind of upside there. Like you mentioned a Brandon cooks who um, you know, maybe his medium projection is a tiny bit lower, but I think his ceiling is just so much higher um, because he could be his team's number one option, whereas Hunter Renfro is likely going to be the number three 
uh, regardless. And, you know, it's going to be a lot of underneath targets on top of that. So kind of a similar, not, not Waddle in terms of, um, you know, Waddle is going to be the number two, it looks like, but just a similar situation in terms of the profile, you know, a low yard per catch guy who probably maximized his volume uh, last year. And now we're paying a little bit of a premium uh, for him. So I'd like to see Renfro going on that wide receiver three, four borderline or, or as a true wide receiver four. And then you have some upside. If one of those guys gets hurt, then you already taking him and having him have to produce um, pretty close to what he did uh, last year. Yeah, absolutely. He was a guy that was on my list as well. Uh, just, I mean, we saw that breakout last year, but it, to your point, it was very volume based it, for that to happen. Waller had to be injured. Uh, Henry Ruggs had to miss half the season after their buy, obviously, and is gone permanently. But now we've got an even better alpha receiver on this team um, could be the wide receiver one for fantasy this year. So certainly feels like that uh, will limit uh, Renfro's ceiling this year. Um, All right. The next guy that I want to talk about is it's actually two people, but uh, DK Metcalf at wide receiver 11 and Tyler Lockett at wide receiver 21. Um, Just, you know, for this podcast, blood, sweat and tears, I went through Drew Locke's 21 career starts uh, just you know, to, to comb through. I mean, my condolences. I know. Um, unremarkable, mostly 59% completion rate, 4,000, uh, 4,700 yards, 25 touchdowns, 20 interceptions. But one thing that stood out to me is that over those 21 starts, he's only had a receiver reach 80 or more yards twice. Like that's, that is not a compelling argument for me. Now. Yes. You can argue that he's never had receivers, as good as DK Metcalf or Tyler Lockett. I mean, you could argue that Jerry Judy's maybe on that level of Lockett, but certainly no, DK Metcalf. I, I would not argue that. I, I would I mean, argue the opposite. I, I think Tyler Lockett is a better player than Jerry Judy. I, I, I agree. There are just some still some uh, truthers out there that uh, will cling to their Jerry Judy love, but sure. Um, yeah, I mean, certainly this is an upgrade for him in terms of, wide receiver talent, but I just think like we're still drafting these guys way too high based on name recognition and kind of things that they did previously. So, I mean, 2021, he's got Russell Wilson and Metcalf was the wide receiver 10 Lockett was wide receiver 19. So we're knocking them down one spot and two spots with Drew Lock. Like that is not enough of a downgrade for me. Yeah. And to your point, if you look at, you know, points per game uh, of guys that played, you know, four or more games, Lockett was the wide receiver 16. Metcalf was the wide receiver 22. So, and then we saw with, without Wilson, when it was Geno Smith, they were, I remember ranking those guys like in the thirties at, at one point. So, you know, yeah, it was then desperate at that point. Right. Yeah. So we've kind of, we've gotten a glimpse as to what this could be. Um, and these are both very talented players. Um, Tyra Lockett included. I know he had the mind meld with Russell Wilson. So any other quarterback is going to probably be a downgrade for him, but he's still a very talented wide receiver can do a lot of things um, kind of goes unsung, but yeah, this is just, this is too high. It's almost like you're not really getting any discount uh, for the fact that Russell Wilson's now in Denver. So uh, I agree here. It seems weird to say, okay, you know, <laughs> DK Metcalf's getting overdrafted as talented as he is. And, but you have to look at the entire situation. And like I said, there's just guys in better situations. Um, And I always, I go back to Mike Evans is that guy who I think, you know, Michael Thomas, even, I mean, you know, guys that are the true alpha dog, number one receiver 
uh, on their team. Whereas these two guys are kind of splitting it anyway. Um, so yeah, I, I'd go a little different route. Um, if I'm looking for my, you know, wide receiver one or my wide receiver two, uh, at this point. Um, all right. Uh, I got uh, one more guy, then I'll let you close it out. Uh, I think we both want to talk about some guys entering their second year. Uh, for me, it's Rashad Bateman. So again, like I said, a lot of times you're going to do really well targeting wide receivers in year two, a lot of wide receivers tend to break out in year two. So, um, but you still have to go situation by situation and, and look at, you know, the circumstances surrounding these guys and what would a breakout mean? And so Rashad Bateman, you know, he was the wide receiver 77 in terms of half PPR points per game, you know, he would need about a 50% increase just to get to, to wide receiver 42, which is where he's being drafted. Um, So at that point, I think you want to take on guys with, um, you know, just a little bit more proven production or, or guys with a little more upside in terms of being their team's, you know, number one wide receiver. Bateman has to jump to people at this point to be the number one option, I should say. You know, Mark Andrews, obviously, who's just a monster. Uh, and then you're talking about um, somebody like Marquise Brown, who really came on. And that I think that was the kind of, um, you know, what you looked for with Bateman and what you kind of the appeal of Bateman going into last year was that Marquise Brown, we weren't sure necessarily, was he going to pan out? Um, But then even though Bateman had a pretty solid rookie year, so did Marquise Brown in in terms of stepping up his game. And so I think there's a clear pecking order and this is another kind of run, run first team. So I see Rashad Bateman and I see Robert Woods going in the same general vicinity of the draft. And I'm like, okay, you know, one of these guys it has a proven track record of production, even with other guys on a team that are, just as good or better than him. Whereas Rashad Bateman, I mean, he would need a massive increase beyond what we usually see for even year two breakouts just to kind of meet his ADP at wide receiver 42. So you're essentially taking him out close to his ceiling uh, already. So a little, little too high for me. Yeah. And if like, let's just remember what the Ravens team looked like last year when they lost all three running backs during training camp. I mean, they were using Tyson Williams and stuff like that, but certainly was a lower running volume um, than they're used to. Uh, And I think that that probably helped a lot of the passing game. So uh, yeah, it does feel like you are drafting him closer to his ceiling um, than what, you know, would be the median outcome. All right. The final guy that I want to talk about is Kadarius Tony at wide receiver 38. It definitely stood out to me that he was this high because he could not stay healthy in 2021, um, played 10 games, was the wide receiver 87. Um, he had this hamstring injury in training camp. He also had some like COVID related drama and missed a couple games due to that. Uh, missed some games with the ankle injury, the quad injury, oblique, shoulder. Uh, I mean, certainly. I think he got I his finger want... stepped on at one point. <laughs> Dude, I mean, like that that's a lot of stuff going on for a rookie. You know, like these are the types of like wear and tear type things that I think you'd see from like a receiver that's 30. But we saw that from a guy in his first year. And yeah, that could just be bad luck or whatever. But, um, you know, we also have to look at this offense. I mean, the Giants top receiver in 2021, wide receiver 84. That was Kenny Galladay. 2020, wide receiver 46. That was a Sterling Shepard. And 2019, it was wide receiver 35. That was Darius Slayton. You have to go all the way back to the Eli Odell era in 2018 to find a receiver who even broke the 800 yard mark. So um, certainly feels like this offense will limit Tony and Tony himself could just limit Tony. So yeah, you're not investing a ton at wide receiver 38, but I think there are better options in that tier. 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's what I'm saying. It's like you look at this time of year, especially, I think people, it kind of skews toward the younger guys. You know, a lot of people that also play dynasty are, are drafting here. And so I think sometimes some of these guys get overdrafted. Cause like I said, generally speaking, I like to take um, wide receivers in year two, but there still has to be some kind of cost benefit analysis and ceiling floor analysis. And the Giants are kind of running it back with the same receiving core again um, at wide receiver. You know, Kenny Calladay is going to be back. Sterling Shepard, who, I mean, when he's on the field, he tends to be Daniel Jones's number one target, regardless of, of who else is there. So um, I do see Tony kind of taking a step forward. I don't think it could go any worse than last year, as you kind of alluded to. But Again, you're drafting him a little closer to his ceiling than I'd like. Like, I do like Tony more than Bateman because I think with the Giants, there's a little more opportunity for him to kind of jump Gallaudet and Shepard than jumping like Mark Andrews and, and, and Marquise Brown. But you're still taking Tony a little closer to his ceiling than I would like, um, just given the offense that he's in. Um, so, I, you know, if Tony starts dropping to maybe wide receiver 45, 50, um, outside the top 50, then I'm saying, okay. Like now there's some, there's some legit upside for him to finish as a wide receiver three, maybe even a wide receiver two, but here it's, it's a little closer to that ceiling than I would like when I could get proven guys like, like Adam Thielen, um, Robert Woods, who, you know, getting kind of slept on just because their age has a, a number three in it. All right. That is going to wrap it up. So um, we'll be back next week on the feed with a tight end episode. And then uh, we'll do quarterbacks leading into the draft. Um, you can follow Samantha on Twitter at Samantha NFL. You can follow me at Chris Raybon, R-A-Y-B-O-N. Check out actionnetwork.com for all of our betting content um, and fantasy content. You can download the Action app as well. Best sports betting app on the market. And be sure to leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple or Spotify. Until next time, let's get this money.